Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning again, everybody. It's good to be with you today. God is a good God. Amen. When you get to know the true living God, He's a good God, not the, all this false dialogue about Him out there, but the true living God of the Scriptures. Uh, this morning, before I begin our new series, um, I want to share with you that uh, something really important in the life of our church, and that is that um, our, our, we finally found a location for what we've called Ab Church, will now be known as New Beginnings Riverside. We finally found a location for them to open up and launch, finally. Praise the Lord. Yeah. That took 11 months. That took 11 months of looking, and during a pandemic, it's very difficult to find a place that will rent to you with the right, you need rooms, you need a meeting hall, etc. during that time. Now, with that said, um, we're looking to launch Easter Sunday, April the 17th. That only gives us about six weeks. Now, what we need, because we are just different locations but one church. We have Harupa, and we have Riverside, we have a Zacatecas campus in Mexico, and we have this Norco campus, and we want to open more campuses as we progress and raise up young ministers. But what we need to make that possible out there, because we're going to send out mailers in the community for Easter Sunday, and we've got to have people to serve there. And what I'm asking is this. Listen to everything I'm going to say. We need 50 people to go be part of um, New Beginnings Riverside for one year. Serve there, attend there, give there, and be part of that place. Now let me tell you, we're trying to reach a younger generation out there. You say, oh, I'm old, I don't fit over there. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter how old you are, you can serve. And we need you to go out there. We need 50 people or else it's just not going to work. So let me tell you about what we're sitting in right here. What, what you're looking at, what you see, everything that's here was not always here. We started 30 years ago. In a couple weeks, it'll be 30 years, or in a week and a half, it'll be 30 years. And we met in school, setting up and tearing down for, for 13 of those years. And then we bought land in 2000, this land. And then we built, and we moved in here in 2005. And it was quite a journey. And the people that... We're on that road, especially the first, the first of us that launched at Auburndale in 1992. And those who came along soon after that, you have great memories. You were part of something that expanded and something that grew and impacted people. And when we get together, we reminisce, don't we, about what happened and about where God brought us. It's one of the greatest things to know that you are part of something bigger than yourself. Don't tell me you don't want to be part of something bigger than you. Don't tell me you don't want to look back at your life, at the end of your life and say, I was part of that. I impacted the kingdom for God. Don't tell me you don't want that, because I know you do. And so we're looking for 50 people to serve, to attend, to give there. Give one year of your life. If you want to come back, you can. After one year, if you don't like me, you can stay there, okay? That's fine. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Well, because it's all about reaching people and we're one church and multiple locations. But we need you now. Not, well, I'll think about it for six months. No, we need you now. And the way you can sign up for that is nbcc.com 
forward slash Riverside. Say that with me. It's got a great ring to it. Here we go. NBCC.com forward slash Riverside. I didn't hear everybody. Here we go. Let's try it again. NBCC.com forward slash Riverside. So we need you. And we need you to sign up and give your life. It's not going to hurt you. It's going to grow you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be checking on this stuff, and I'm going to look for your name out there, okay? Now, we're starting this great new series today called The Great uh, Divide. And um, we're going to, well, about seven years ago, uh, I took this tour. And we went into certain states, and one of our stops was Yellowstone. How many have been to Yellowstone? It's a, man, some of you need to get out more often, okay? I'm just telling you right now. There are so many great places in America that you can see. You'll never exhaust it. California itself has so many great things to see. You will never exhaust that. It is so beautiful and so magnificent. Just the national parks and the beaches and the desert and everything that goes with California. But Yellowstone, when I was there, all the natural beauty and the bison and all that stuff, but they took us to this one spot. And in this spot, it said was the Continental Divide. Anyone ever been in that spot before? Yellowstone? Remember that? Anybody else remember the Continental Divide? Yeah? Okay, yeah. It's really cool because you stand there and water begins to flow out of this area. And the water that flows out of the Continental Divide, half of it flows that way, the other half flows that way. It's really a weird phenomenon because you're at the Continental Divide. And they say that the water that flows this way, as you're looking at it, flows east and eventually comes out in the Gulf of Mexico. The water that flows west eventually comes out in the Pacific Ocean. But they mo both move in different directions, coming from the same source. It's a great divide. In this series, we're going to take a look at the great divide in our lives. The second week, not today, next week, we're going to look at how do I overcome worry? Anybody here worry? Oh, come on, raise more hands than that. Don't even act, okay? The word worry, Jesus uses in Matthew 6, means to pull apart. Your mind is pulled apart this way, then that way, then this way, then that way. And we all, some of us really know what that feels like, huh? So we're going to look at that great divide next week. The week after that, on the 30-year anniversary weekend, we're going to look at well, how do I go deeper with God through the scriptures? Because, you know, we can struggle with the great divide when the scripture says, live your life like this, start doing this, and how many know it can be a real struggle to do that? Any amens on that? It becomes a great divide in our life. And then in the fourth week, we're going to look at Peter, one of the 12 disciples. When he walks on water, of course he walked, then he sank, but he walked on water. Jesus says, huh, you, little, you, you people of little faith, why did you doubt? Notice faith and doubt. That is a divide in some of our lives. Some of us live strong in faith, then we move to doubt. Then we're in doubt for a while, then we move back to faith. How many know what I mean by that? That's a great divide right there. We want to fix that. How do I overcome those things? And today, we're going to look at the great divide between my spirit and my flesh. By flesh, I don't mean my skin. I mean what the Bible calls my old nature, that old me. How many of you know there's an old nature in you that wants to do some pretty wrong stuff, right? 
It wants to think wrong things. It wants to say wrong things. It wants to mistreat people. Anybody know? You ever met that person? Raise your hand if you met that person before. Because he's inside of you, all right? And there's a struggle there that we're going to look at between our spirit that's born again, now the spirit of God lives in us, and our old nature. That struggle is real. Today we're going to look at how do I overcome that? How do I beat that old nature from leading me down the wrong road? Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1. By way of introduction, this is not our main text for today. James chapter 1, uh, this is the uh, half-brother of Jesus who wrote this. Uh, same mom, different dad, by the way, in case you're wondering. Um, and so James who one day thought his brother Jesus was insane for everything he was doing, then finally comes to realize or comes to the belief that his brother is God in the flesh, the Messiah. How did he come to that belief? Only one way, and that's the resurrection from the dead. He saw his brother resurrected from the dead, and he believed. So James writes this. James 1, verses 5 through 8. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously. So if you need wisdom, ask God. He'll give it to you, a lot of it, without reproach. In other words, he's not like humans that say, really, you don't know that? What are you, dumb? Why are you asking me that? He doesn't do that. He doesn't get mad at you. He doesn't do any of those things. He gladly gives you wisdom, and it will be given to him. Verse 6, but he must ask in faith without doubting. There's a faith, there's a doubt, there's a doubt, there's a faith. Remember that. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being an, being a, say it, try it again, being a, double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, let's break it down quickly and pull some application out of that. So, double-minded means two-spirited or vacillating back and forth between opinions. And he already mentioned faith and doubt. But that's what that word means. And he compares this double-mindedness to the waves of the ocean back and forth and back and forth. That's okay for waves, but it's not okay for humans, right? And now in there, let me plot an application out of the text. He says, if you're back and forth, back and forth, don't expect to receive anything. Now, don't think that God is a meanie when it says that. Think of it like this. Let's take responsibility. At some point in your life, you got to make a decision. Which way are you going to go? What's it going to be? That could be a career. That could be if you're married, then this is what you're going to do now. That could be walking with Christ, but don't be back and forth and back and forth because you'll never receive anything from God. In other words, you'll never get anywhere. You'll never make it anywhere. You've got to settle it, and you've got to go with it all the way. And once you do, you're not double-spirited anymore. You're not back and forth anymore. You're going to keep moving forward. Now, we see now that the possibility exists that I could faith, doubt, faith, doubt. I could be double-minded. Today, we're going to take that idea, great divide, and look at spirit and old nature flesh. Spirit and old nature flesh. Like I said, my old nature, it wants to do some bad stuff. Now turn to our main text now, Matthew chapter 16. It's in the Gospels, it's the first Gospel. Turn to Matthew 16. <clears throat> Start bringing your Bibles, because you've got to learn this Bible if you expect to win in life, spiritually. Okay, Matthew 16. 
And look at verse 13 through 23, and I'm going to comment as I go. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, Caesarea Philippi is way to the north in Israel. It's named after, it's named by Alexander the Great after his father, Philip the Macedon, Caesarea Philippi. Now, Alexander, when he conquered, he instituted pan worship, idol worship there. It's also known as the Mountain of Baal because Mount Hermon's there, but they call it the Mountain of Baal. If you ever go to Israel with us, you'll, we'll, we'll take you there and you'll see it. There is a cave there. And in that cave, there used to be water. And back in this day, they believed that that water was bottomless. And they believed that evil spirits would come out of that cave. And that cave, now will make sense in this text, that cave was called the Gate of Hades or the Gate of Hell. Now, for those of you who know the text, now it makes perfect sense of why Jesus is bringing them here and what he's saying, because he's going to command them, basically. They've got to save the world, and he's taking them to the backdrop of hell itself in one sense to know that they're going to have to march right into the teeth of hell and save people for the kingdom of God, correct? Okay, now, hopefully you got that one. Now, verse 14. And they said, some say, because he asked the question, who do people, who do others say that I am, is what he's asking. And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he turns it tighter. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? In other words, you've got to make a decision because you can't vacillate back and forth now. Who do you say, you 12 disciples? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Oh, in other words, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, you're them, you're him. Verse 17, watch Jesus' response to that statement. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar-Jonah means son of John. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Is God's spirit? Say yes. So now he's received its spirit. Peter's walking in the spirit. You're the Messiah. You catch that? Did you catch that? Say yes. Tell me, tell me you caught that. Okay. Okay, good. I'm just worried up here. All right. Verse 18. I also say to you that you are Peter. Now Jesus continues. You are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. The church is, that word is the idea of a bunch of little pebbles coming together to form a giant slab that advances the kingdom of God on planet earth. Amen. You got to jump on that slab. And the gates of, and the gates of, Hey, what is right behind them? What are they looking at? The what? I already explained it to you. What are, they, what are they looking at? The gate of hell. So now you see this beautiful imagery and picture that Jesus has taken him way to the north to use us as a backdrop. He says the gates of hell will not overpower it. In other words, the church will never be defeated on planet earth. And aren't you glad? Amen? Ever. I will give you the keys, plural, of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Notice he gave you keys, plural. Why plural? Because whatever hell throws at you, heaven has an answer for it. Amen? Never forget it. Verse 20, Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Whoa! Verse 21, From that time, now watch the turn in the conversation. From that time, Jesus began to show 
his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. This is shocking news for them. And be raised up on the third day. Peter, who just said, you are the Christ. It's, you know, spiritual, he's spiritual. Peter took him aside. You never take Jesus aside, okay? And began to rebuke him. You never rebuke Jesus, all right? Okay. And he says to him, God forbid it. Wait a minute. Who is Jesus? Who is he? He's the God man. He's God. He says, God forbid it. It's like, can you imagine Jesus going, you know who I am, right? Okay. He says, but he says, God forbid it, Lord. Lord? If he's the Lord, then you do what he says and that's it, correct? But now he's correcting Jesus. And he says, this thing, you're going to suffer and they're going to kill you? That will never happen to you. I'm not going to let it happen. Now watch what Jesus says. But he turned and said to Peter, can you imagine Jesus turning like, oh, really? He says, get behind me, Satan. <gasps> can you imagine Peter and all the other disciples? Oh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Peter goes from spiritual, thou art the Christ, to flesh, old nature, I'm not going to let it happen. Did you see that? Did you see that? He moves from spirit to his old nature. We all do that, don't we? We can flip back and forth and back and forth. And today, we're going to look at how in the world do I keep that old nature from winning? How in the world do I stop going back to old things? How in the world do I change the way I've been living and walk in the Spirit and say walking in the Spirit? Otherwise, we're a double-minded, uh, schizophrenic saint for the kingdom of God. And we don't want to be that. Amen to that one right there? Now, okay, here we go. I'm, I'm coming down there. I'm going to give you two quick points to give you reasoning and understanding, and then I'm going to give you the answer in point three. Are you guys ready? Just say yes. Just humor me, okay? Yeah, I know you got to go eat or something like that. Okay, number one, here we go. Realize you're in a war. You got to realize you're in a war. Now, Paul says this in Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Put it up on the screen. Let me read that for you. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh, the old nature. Verse 17, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit. Thus, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition. The word opposition literally means adversary. They're, they're enemies. They're sworn enemies. The spirit of God and your old nature, my old nature. They're sworn enemies. They are in opposition to one another so that you, Jim Del Campo, may not do the things that you please. My old nature wants to do what it wants to do, does it not? But my spirit, born again, is trying to stop that old nature from doing what it wants to do. It wants to be led by the Spirit, not by my old nature. So we are in a war. Okay. He says, walk in the Spirit. The word walk means a path, it means a tread, it means a trample. 
Now, when I was growing up, elementary school back in the 90s, it's just been a while ago. Okay, back in the 60s. Back when... We don't need any whistles, okay? Back in the 60s, in Corona, we used to have dirt fields. We don't have those anymore unless you go down the 15 or somewhere rural. But we had dirt fields. And I remember the winter rains would come, and then, of course, weeds would grow in the dirt fields. Anyone remember those days? And as kids, we used to have fantastic dirt clod fights. Anyone ever have those? You'd pull up the grass, it was like auto, it was a bomb. And you'd have the battles throwing them at each other. One time when I was about nine, I got hit in the face with one. And I started crying. And some of you laugh at that, don't you? Still scarred. But when that would happen, they would come and they would plow up the fields of all because the weeds would grow. What they did when they plowed up the fields, they plowed up the pathways that we had made when we'd walk home from school or back to school. We'd walk a certain way, and the more people that walked on that area, you'd press down what was plowed up, and pretty soon, you have a path to walk that way. It's pressed down. Now, trampled, tread, pressed down. That's what he is saying in that verse, that I am to walk, path, trample, tread in the Spirit. I'm to stay in that spiritual path. I'm to walk in spiritual things. And if I do that, I will not carry out the old desires of my old nature. Are you following me so far? Now, why is this very important? Well, you've heard me talk about cycle breaker, cycle maker. It doesn't matter how old you are. You may think, well, I'm just a teenager. It doesn't matter. It matters really a lot for you right now. Because you have the opportunity in this war to break old negative cycles that are generational in your family. You need to open your eyes and see those things. Because you can break them, and then you can create new pathways for your family, your kids, your grandkids, and all those people. You have the power and the ability through the Spirit of God to start a whole new better cycle for your family. Anybody like that one right there? I love that one right there. Man, that's for sure. Now, the question is this though. How do you know you're in a war? How does anybody know they're in a war? Casualties. Casualties. You look around. Broken marriages, broken people, people hurt people, depressions, fear. Look around. Addictions, alcoholism, which has been on the ra- rapid rise in the last two years. Drug addiction, it's all over the place. That's how you know you're in a war. There are casualties. But we are in a war, and that war is every second of every day of our lives. Are you following me so far? Okay, good. That's the first thing. The second thing is this now. I must fight a spiritual war with spiritual weapons. Say that with me. I must fight a spiritual war with spiritual weapons. So let's read what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Watch. says this. For though we, say the word again, walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, the old nature. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, not of the old nature, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Guys, every one of us in our family generation, we have fortresses. There are strongholds in our life. 
that have been set up through certain patterns and behaviors, but those things can be destroyed and broken down. We need to be the people that break those things. Now, next verse. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Listen, listen. Anything that goes against the word of God is a lie. You got that? Can you guys tell I'm Mexican? Okay, I'm ethnically Mexican, okay? But I'm citizen of the kingdom of God, all right? That's primary. And after that, I'm an American. And then after that, I'm an ethnic Mexican, okay? Now, now listen. And that's the way I look at it because that's true. Now, just because my own ethnicity believes a certain way, if it goes against the word of God, my ethnicity is wrong. Anybody understand that? No, do you understand that? You're not led by your ethnicity. You're led by the spirit of God. Never forget, your citizenship is in heaven. So whatever that lofty thing is raised up against God, if it goes for your ethnicity or whatever goes against it, it's wrong. God's right. Now, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of? Come on. Christ. Okay, now, he says, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they're mighty through God. They're divine. Let me give you, for instance, God forbid, but let's say one day I go to the doctor and the doctor says, you have cancer, Jim. God forbid. And I said, what are you, you going to do about it, doc? And he says, here's two aspirin, take them, go home, lay down for 30 minutes and you'll be fine. Would you go back to that doctor? There's no way, huh? Because he didn't give you anything that will fight cancer, Correct? Because there are certain things that will fight cancer and there are some things that have no power against cancer. That's true also in the spiritual realm. We can't sit there and say, I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to go back and do that. That does nothing. That's just the flesh. Or God, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. That does nothing. That's just the flesh. Those are just words. You've got to fight that old nature with spirit, with the right weaponry. Are you following me so far? Yes. No, really, are you following? Because yes. you will not win. Now, the question is then, what's my ammo? What is my weaponry? How do I fight this battle? What do I do? Now, watch. Here we go. I'm going to give you how you win. Here we go. Number three, I must feed my spirit. Now, we're going to take you to Genesis chapter 25, and I'm going to read an Old Testament prophecy of Jacob and Esau. They are twins. They are the kids of Isaac and Rebekah. She's carrying twins. Now, watch this Watch the statement. Watch the prophecy. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, uh, the Aramean of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. Aren't you glad I read those words out loud and not you, right? <laughs> Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren they just couldn't have kids and he prays and the Lord answered him and Rebekah his wife conceived but the children ah oh, not a child children she's carrying two struggled together within her and they're fighting those kids are fighting you thought your kids fought outside the womb she's fighting inside the womb and she said if it is so why then am I this way? So she went, she's going to go talk to the Lord, verse 23. And the Lord said to her, here's the prophecy, two nations are in your womb. 
and two peoples will be separated from your body and one people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger one cool thing about that older serve the younger the older Esau will serve the younger Jacob those are the twins Jacob and Esau is if you go down the lineage of each one and you come to the time where Christ is born and now he's a toddler and Herod wants to kill Jesus remember that story Esau his line Herod is Idumean he's from the line of Esau Jesus is from the line of Jacob that line meets again way down the road and the older will serve the younger because every knee shall bow to Jesus Christ amen so the prophecy is true now let me extract an application from the prophecy that I think would help give us kind of a visual understanding the older shall serve the younger okay I'm like 50 years old now it just happened fast I'm 65 just remember last month we went to the doctor he walked in and said I, I expected an old guy you're a skater you look like a skater I wish I would have recorded it man I just wish I would play it for all the deacons and elders and all the pastoral staff and play it for my wife and play it for my grandkids when they get old enough and stuff but I didn't I'm 65 and I always like to tell young people I was 21 then I blinked man and here I am okay I've been a Christian I got saved August 12, 1979. I've been a Christian 42 plus years. But I've been, but I'm 65 years old. I had 23 years of a lot of practicing of sin before I ever met Christ. How many know what I mean? Okay. And then from there, I'm still sinning here and there after I get saved. So my old flesh, my old nature is 65 years old. My born-again spirit is 42 years old. My old nature is 65. My new nature is 42. But the older must serve the... Say it. Younger. The older must serve the... Younger. That has to happen. Extract the principle from there. The question is, how does my older flesh old nature that wants to sin wants to do what it wants to do how does my new nature my spirit conquer that now listen your life every time you go to a, a, you stopped at a train track watch the car, trains going by because the engine is your born again spirit the cars it's your mind it's your thinking it's your emotions the caboose is your old nature have you ever seen a caboose pulling that long train? Please say no. <laughs> seen the engine. Seen the engine. The engine is your spirit. It should always be leading, should always be leading your mind, your will, and your emotions. If your old nature, your caboose is leading you, then you're in big trouble. That means it's way too strong. Because the older the caboose must serve the younger, the engine. The older, the old nature must serve the younger, your born-again spirit. Does that make sense? So the question is how? How do I get to that place? What do I do for myself that my, old, my younger spirit makes my older nature serve it? I'm going to give you some things right now. Three in your notes, bullet points, and I'm going to add a fourth. First one is this. you got to stay on the path, path, there it is again, of the Word of God. Correct? Watch what Jesus says. 
in John 6, 63. He says, it is the, it is the spirit. spirit who gives life. The flesh, the old nature, profits what? Profits nothing. The words, now Jesus is the word of God, right? The words that I, Jesus, have spoken to you are, say it, spirit, spirit and are life. Did you catch it? Did you catch what he said? God's word is spirit. And so we need God's word. We need to read it, study it, and be taught it to keep growing our spirit strong enough so that our new nature is stronger than our old nature. You follow me? Some people say, well, Jim, it's just really hard to maintain reading and studying. And I, I know because, you know, this is hard too. All day long, right, for some of us. It's easy to read this all day long. It's easy to study this or, or watching this news or that news or this person. They're teaching you stuff too, right? It's all out there. You don't have any problem doing that. No, we need to get in the Word, read it, study it, be taught it, because these words are spirit and they are life. That's one way, and you do it consistently for the rest of your life. And you're building that spirit. But that's not all. The second thing is this. You stay on the path of worship. Now, 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 21, this is the story of Jehoshaphat. And there's a massive army coming to invade, and he's scared. Now, let me tell you what he does before, this, before we read this. He goes to God because a massive army is knocking on the door, and he's terrified. And he, do you know what he tells God in that same chapter earlier? He says, God, I don't know what to do. You ever been there? Ever been there? That's the best place you can be. You know why? Because you're not going to figure it out according to your flesh anymore. You're going to rely on the Spirit of God and what God says. Now watch what happens. Watch God's advice when Jehoshaphat says, what are we going to do? I don't know what to do, God. Here's what God, God tells him what to do, and this is Jehoshaphat telling the people what God told him. Watch this. Here's what the king says. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who what? Sang to the Lord, and those who? Praised him in holy attire. And as they went out before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Now, guys, God said, put all your worshipers, put all the singers, put everybody out front and then put the soldiers behind them. The worshipers are going out. Can you imagine people out there leading the way? Here comes the army and they're, you know, I'm just joking. Can you imagine that? And he's not saying, oh yeah, that's the worship team. No, it's all of us. And when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon and Moab and Seir who had come up against Judah, so they were routed. Is worship important? Then why do you come late? Then why do you come late? You don't get a job late, do you? If you go to the gym, I guarantee you're not late to there. You're not going to be late to watch your TV show. Then why do we come late? Corporate worship together is one of the most important things you can do. Let me tell you something. Back in Psalm chapter 8, verse 2, David writes, Out of the mouth of babes and suckling babes, you have perfected strength. Jesus in the New Testament, 
when he's being attacked because children are worshiping him and calling him son of David. Jesus says, he quotes that verse, but he changes one word. He says, out of the mouth of babes and suckling infants, thou hast perfected praise. He changes the word from strength to praise, which means he's interchanging them. He's paralleling them. When you and I worship God, we're creating strength, spiritual strength in our life. That's what we're doing. You may think, ah, it's just singing. No, no, it's not just singing. When you sing, do you understand you drive the devil nuts? Do you know what the writer of Hebrews says? He says that when you and I worship together, it says specifically that Jesus is walking in our midst and he's singing with us. Did you know that? He's right there. And it's building you up and building you up and building you up. That's why it's so important. And then the third thing we do to build up our spiritual strengths so the older should serve the younger, stay on the path of prayer. Watch what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Paul writes this. Say it, three words. Pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean that you gotta, every day you're just walking around praying. No, it just means be consistent. Be consistent. Why is that important? Why is it so important to be consistent in prayer? I'll tell you why. Does the enemy in a war only fire one missile? Did Russia fire one missile at Ukraine and then go back home? They kept firing. When you pray and the enemy keeps firing at you, when you pray consistently, you're firing right back at him. You get it? You get it? You keep firing, man. So you keep praying. Now, I'm going to give you one more nut in your notes. I am a person that believes in the full gospel. I believe in the power of the Spirit of God. Anybody know what I mean? John the Baptist, in Matthew 3, verse 11, he says about himself, I came to baptize in water, but one comes after me, meaning Jesus, who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Then Jesus breathes the Spirit on them in John 20, that's when they're born again. And then in Acts 2, they're told not to leave until that fire and that baptism of the Spirit comes. Acts 2, boom, it comes down. Second experience of the Spirit. And now they're able to go out and evangelize the world under the power of the Spirit of God. I believe in it strongly. I've been baptized in the Spirit and I ask for it every morning again, every morning. Before I step in that shower, I say, forgive me of my sins, baptize me in power again. I do it every morning. But I'm also a person in that I take on and I've accepted the fact that God has given me my spiritual language. I can speak in tongues. I can pray in tongues. On Tuesday, Bible study, I'm going to spend 45 minutes on the baptism of the Spirit of God because that's a section of John we're on right now. But Paul said this about tongues. It edifies you. Edify, builds you up. You know what one person told me one time about that? They said, you shouldn't want to build yourself up. I go, what? If I don't want to build myself up, then I'm going to burn my Bible, quit going to church, quit worshiping, quit serving, quit doing all those things, right? I'm going to build myself up as much as I can build myself up spiritually because I am in a war. I'm in a war. So I walk in the power of the Spirit of God. I accept all the things Jesus has for me. If you ever want to be baptized in the Spirit of God, not in water only, but in the Spirit, and receive your spiritual language, just see me after a service, or pull me aside, I'd be glad to pray for you. I love praying for people to receive that, 
And then begin to exercise that gift in your life. And don't walk away and say, well, I forgot. No, you didn't. You chose not to. Now, I'm trying to think where I'm supposed to be in my notes right now. Give me a second. Okay, okay. So, I've got to read the Word of God. I've got to stay in the Word. If I'm going to walk on the path of the Spirit, stay in the Word. Worship. Um, prayer. Serving. Giving. They're all right things. Power of the Spirit. Let me, let me put it to you this way. Okay. Let's just pretend that every one of us works at a local gym. I go to LA Fitness. I know you could tell you for every son you go, that guy works out. <laughs> um, let's say you all work there at the front desk. Just pretend. And this person comes in. And they're an irate customer. Some of you in retail, you know what an irate customer looks like, right? It's real fun. And they come up to you, and you go, can I help you? Yes! What seems to matter? I want to cancel my membership. I've been coming eight years, not doing me any good. And then you say, how have we let you down? And they say, well, after eight years, I'm flabbier than ever, I'm weaker than ever, and I have no muscle. I'm very sorry about that. I want to cancel my membership. And then you go on the computer and you look to cancel the membership, but for some reason that day, it gives you the history of their attendance, of their workout. And you look in there and you realize they come like four times to six times a year. And they're angry that it's not showing any results. Is it the gym's fault or is it the person's fault? It's the person's fault. And we sit there and blame God when things aren't happening. Take a look at your own self. Quit being like society and be the victim. Stop that. Take responsibility. It's not the gym's fault. It's the person's fault. Because they don't, they don't do these things. She had, this person hasn't been coming to the gym regularly, you know, three, four times a week, really working out. They haven't been, and if we're not praying and reading, being taught the word, and worshiping together, and fellowshipping and serving, well, guess what? We're going to be flabbier and weaker and zero muscle as a spiritual person. Does that make sense? Jesus said this. Watch what he says. Put it up there, please. He says, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. See, so just go, oh, yeah, I know this. So what? So what you know? You do them. You're blessed if you do it. And when you do it, and you do it week in, week out for the rest of your life, every year you'll notice you're stronger spiritually and stronger spiritually. Pretty soon your spirit is so strong that your old nature, it does not have the strength to fight your new spirit off. And that's how you win. That's how you win. But you can't just, oh, I'll do it six times a year. That's not going to do anything. You might as well not do it. It's the same as going to the gym. You got to commit. 
You got to go. You got to surrender. You can't be a double-minded person back and forth and back and forth. No wonder we're losing. But if you do these things, you'll start to win. And it gets fun winning. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I just pray that we realize these things. God, it takes discipline. In the beginning, it's not easy. But the more we do it, the more we do it, it gets a little easier and a little easier until pretty soon it's a pattern of our life. And we get stronger spiritually and stronger spiritually. Now, if you're here today and you um, are not a follower of Christ, you've never placed your faith in Him. He's the Messiah. He's the God-man. It's... It's a historical fact that he rose from the dead. It can be proven. He's the God-man that came, went to a cross for you, carried your sins on that cross, shed his blood to wash away your sins. Listen, one sin will keep us out of eternity, out of heaven. And we can do 50,000 good deeds, but it will never wash away even one sin. And we've all committed these 50,000 sins. But Jesus, the God-man, he came and died for you, took your sins, was buried, and rose from the dead to give you new life. And he offers that to you. The Spirit of God can come dwell in you if you place your faith in him and begin your life of surrender to Jesus. So I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to do that. If you've never placed your faith in Christ, today's your day. I hope it is. Or maybe a backslid, time to come back. Quit vacillating back and forth. So if you'd like to give your life to Christ, surrender, become a follower, or rededicate your life, I want you to do this one thing and one thing only. Right where you're sitting, open up your eyes and look up at me. Right now, look up at me. I'm going to look around. When our eyes meet, you can close them. Do it right now. Do it right now. God bless you. Don't close your eyes till I see you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless. God bless you. God bless. God bless you. 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 And you. Now I'm going to say this prayer. And those who looked up at me, you repeated out loud after me. You put your faith in Jesus, the God-man, the Messiah. All of us are going to say it out loud with you. Those of you at home, if you looked up at me, you say it too. Those in the lobby, you looked up at me, you say it too. All of you repeated in the lobby also with them. But here we go. Let's repeat this out loud. And especially those who looked up at me, you put your faith in Christ as you say it. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would die for me. Give your life in place of mine to forgive my sins. Forgive me, Lord, of all my sins. And I know that all of my sins are forgiven. Today I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. I'm not turning back. Thank you for saving me. Now let me pray for you. God, I pray for everyone that looked up. You got to start fellowship. You can start worshiping. You start getting that Bible. You can come to Bible study Tuesday nights. 
Start learning. Start growing spiritually. You don't have a Bible? Go in the lobby, the Welcome Center. They give you a free Bible. Stay in the New Testament for two years. Stay in there for two years and read about the one who saved you. And know that you are a forgiven, born-again person. Your citizenship is in heaven. If you sin, ask God to forgive you. Instantly forgives you. And washes it all away. What a deal. God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. That you've saved people. All of heaven rejoices over this. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, Amen and Amen. Stand up with me, everybody. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.